0: Now, in a moment, our panel will be going through the Sunday papers. I'm just going to run through the headlines, as always, very quickly. Uh, The Sunday World... Leads with a Hell's Pills video reveals the full horror of N-bomb party as Reveler dies. That's the uh, the tragic story of that young man who died in Cork after uh, taking uh, what the Sunday world describe as, as Hell's Pills. A really, desperately, desperately sad story there. Um, the Sunday Independent leads with Kenny will slash Middle Ireland's inheritance tax... Uh, Teacher Enda Kenny writes, Philip Ryan and Ronald Quinlan will promise to effectively abolish inheritance tax for the vast majority of families as part of Fine Gael's bid to woo Middle Ireland voters ahead of the general election. The tr- inheritance tax threshold is £280,000. are planning to increase it to 500000 over the lifetime of the next government. Uh, the Sunday Business Post... Leads with Howland Finnegan wants Tory style cuts to services. Uh, that's an interview the minister has done with Michael Bren, the political correspondent, and basically warning voters that it has to, Labour has to be returned to government, as Labour would say, to prevent Fine Gael from implementing Tory-style cuts to public services. The party is upping the ante, writes Michael Brennan, in advance of its national conference next weekend in an attempt to avoid large seat losses. Uh, the Irish Mail on Sunday's lead is forgery scandal in social housing. Uh, the story, uh, it's a Mail on Sunday investigation by Michael O'Farrell, says the signature of a former chairman of a €200 million social housing charity in receipt of millions in state funding was forged for four years after he left the organisation. The Sunday Times... Uh, leads with Finnegale to splurge three billion euro on election. The story uh, by stephen o 'Brien says Finnegale will massively outspend all his rivals in the forthcoming general election, having amassed a war chest of up to three million euros. Why do we always call it a war chest in relation to the general election but anyway it is it 's a big amount of money one point uh, seven million to be spent on posters and advertising. million by individual candidates and their constituency organisations. Fianna Falls total spend will be close to 1.9 million. Sinn Féin, according to Stephen O'Brien's story, 1.2 million. And Labour, £1.5 million. It is an awful lot of money. OK, here to go through the, uh, the papers is uh, former Cabinet Minister uh, Pat Rabbit, still of course, a, a TD for Dublin South West. Uh, Sinn Féin, strategist and general election candidate for Dublin Midwest, uh, Owner Brin, And uh, Sheila Riley, editor of the Longford Leader. Um, actually, let's start. We're going to start with the, the Taoiseach uh, and his Ardash uh, speech. Let's have a little flavour of uh, Enda Kenny last night at City West.
1: In all the white noise of an election, there is really only one question. Who will keep the recovery going? A straight question with a straight answer. Because it will decide whether people have jobs. It will decide whether you see more Gardaí back on the street and back on the beat. Whether you can get what you need, when you need it, from our public services. If you plan for more jobs, more Gardaí, teachers, nurses, doctors... More help for families, for our children, for our elderly, sounds like a good one to you. If a plan for higher wages, lower taxes, conditions to help our business flourish, sounds good to do, you know what to do. If the recovery matters to you, to your family, to your business, to your future, when you take your pound or your pound Louis in your hand, vote Fine
0: Pat Rabbit, I have to say, I I sat at home watching the speech uh, last night... (coughs) It was pretty flat and insipid stuff. Is it, is it a deliberate strategy by Fine Gael? Are they concerned about appearing triumphalist or you know, assuming that it's a, a coronation?
2: I don't think uh, a party leader, especially a Taoiseach, uh, I don't think uh, you know, goes out and makes a speech by accident or happenstance or whatever. Uh, I think the speech was remarkably, uh, but I suspect deliberately uh, low-key. Um, this is a big one for Fine Gael, Never in the party's history uh, has a Fine Gael Taoiseach been returned to office. And uh, if one believes the polls, uh, that prospect is within the grasp now of Fine Gael. So I suspect that any uh, triumphalism uh, you know, would be counterproductive in the minds of those who are Minding the campaign and shaping the campaign, and I suspect that's the advice uh, that the thesia got. And the speech was constructed mm. uh, to to read that way.
0: Does that mean it has to be as dull as it was last night? Because it was dull.
2: Well, I I, I think it uh, it probably reads better. Uh, it probably reads better uh, <laughs> than uh, than it sounded, but. Um, uh, no, I, I, had a, I had a couple of pints yesterday evening and uh, I, I did find it hard not to
1: nod off, all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, were O'Neill, you, were you wide awake or did you have better things to do I on Saturday I had far evening?
1: better things to do than uh, listen to the live version of it, although obviously I yeah, read the speech yeah, and today. I'm sure
0: Don't tell me Sinn Féin won't be studying in detail what uh, Enda Kenny was the, saying. And well, in fact, there were, there were
1: almost no surprises in the speech and if you'd asked me the day before the speech what was going to be in it, I could have predicted most of the things that are there. See, Enda Kenny has a real dilemma, which is on the one hand, uh, his so-called recovery narrative is the cornerstone of the election campaign. Yes, well, there he, is a recovery Yet right he knows, um, both from opinion polling and because he's a constituency politician like the rest of us, that anything up to 80% of people are telling him that they're not feeling uh, the recovery that's happening in the macroeconomic statistics in their day-to-day lives. Also, the families who are becoming homeless, who have uh, family members on trolley weights, or who are dealing with all of the crises in our public services, are saying, we're not feeling any recovery. So if he had a more uh, triumphalist speech, as you suggest, that would probably alienate even more voters. Uh, And yet at the same time, that's the stake uh, that he's kind of made for this election campaign.
0: Yeah. I should point out, um, I mean one thing, one very real economic statistics is jobs and I mean the unemployment rate has nearly halved since a- absolutely, Kennedy became absolutely. teacher. Absolutely,
1: and there's no denying that and look it, it, Sinn Féin's argument isn't that there isn't a, a change in the direction of the economy and at the macroeconomic level uh, the indicators aren't going in the right direction. What we're saying is this recovery is deeply 2 tier. So yes, there are more people in jobs but an increasing number of those people in work are living at risk of poverty. An increase Number of those people in work can't access childcare, can't access healthcare, can't access housing. We now have a situation where seventy percent increase in family homelessness here in the city of Dublin uh, in the last year, and many of those families today, tomorrow, and the day after, an emergency accommodation are in jobs. So, is there uh, is there a macro? Can I just say
2: on before we go on to the litany of what's wrong, and there are a lot of things wrong. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, it's fair or accurate to say that up to 80% of people are not feeling the recovery. Well, that's what I, the opinion polls to, tell us, Pat, no, but I, I, repeatedly I, 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 over I, the last year. Well, I mean, actually the opinion poll last Sunday uh, told us that two-thirds of people believe that the country is on the right track and on the right track uh, to recovery. I mean, I certainly don't get that impression that there's anything like 80% of the people feeling that no, don't get the recovery, which is an entirely different thing now than saying that they're going to vote for the government. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that the recovery is palpable out there. Uh, wherever you knock on doors, there is somebody who got a job or somebody's young person who came back from abroad uh, or somebody who's running a small company or the man in the van Who's taking on somebody to to help him? So, I mean, that is that is obvious, and I, I think it can't be gainsaid. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that we don't have problems. Of course, we do. Uh, Sheila Riley.
3: Yeah, I thought it was a very political speech, if you like, and uh, in that regard, you know, that it, it just, uh, as Pat and Owen have both kind of said, basically there was, there was a low-key element to it. That was quite deliberate. You know, uh, the one thing he couldn't go out there was uh, go out there and appear to take the vote for granted that the coronation, if you yeah. like, is a done deal. See, that Stephen would, uh, Collins was writing suicide. about this in the, in the Times yesterday, and remembering and uh,
0: Liam Co- uh, Cosgrave's speech and the, the blow-ins and the blow-outs and how it got a huge roar in, in, in the RDS but people at home were kind of horrified yeah, it was and almost like Ed McKenna had read Stephen Collins's column and said right I'm not going to make the same
3: mistakes and I think they were under strict instructions in there not to be bucklepping no and yahooing, yahoo-ing there around there was one the or two little there yahoo's was, you the, can yeah, hear yeah, but they right, were but. certainly uh, uh, they were certainly under instruction to kind of to keep it low key and keep it cool in that regard I thought he did quite well he's not a natural speaker you know so uh, it would it was a difficult one for him it, it was he was never going to be say you know as good as Michael Martin is when he speaks and things like that so uh, I, I thought he did quite well and he got the message across and the message was that they, they feel they'll create more jobs and um, that they want to make work pay and you know, that they will increase public mm. services and he just kept and he stuck to that message and that was the message that came out from them all yesterday and in that regard it was very controlled and uh, probably as good as they could have hoped for Pat Rabbit is there a danger though that
0: I, 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 you know that because Fine Gael are ahead in the polls, they're a little bit like a team that's one nil up. They're they're being very careful. They're they're trying not to make a mistake. I mean, is there a danger though that then they then run a campaign that is insipid, that's a bit flat, that doesn't spark, and that Mehal Martin, who kind of has nothing to lose, comes out swinging punches like he did last weekend, and he gets traction, and Fine Gael don't. Is that a is that a risk? Do you think?
2: Well, look at what happened in Norwich uh, yesterday. You know they, they were two up, you know, and then, uh, you know, three minutes of extra time and they equalized and uh, Liverpool came back and snatched it in the 95th minute. Yeah. So, uh, you know, theoretically, these things are possible. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, Fianna Fáil have not been forgiven for driving the ship of state up on the rocks. And the polls show that, and the reaction on the doors show that people have not yet forgotten, so in those circumstances, Fine Gael has the advantage because you know undoubtedly there has been extraordinary fragmentation of politics since the crash. undoubtedly, own's party Sinn Fein, has benefited enormously uh, from the austerity, but at the same time. There is a majority of people who see themselves with a stake in this society, and that is a cautious vote. And Fine Gael would seem to have comfortably their nose ahead of the other parties. And, you know, you've been talking earlier about the amount of spend lined up for the campaign and so on. So when the campaign proper happens, I don't think you're going to see... Uh, uh, you know, mismanagement or overly low-key management uh, being the cause of uh, diminishing whatever the outcome otherwise would be.
3: You would have to say, though. I mean, like there's no chance. Or, is there very little chance of Fianna Fail gaining any traction at this stage? They've had five years, you know, and it hasn't really. Well, Filgael
0: private polls are, are showing I them doing a lot doing better okay. than the national polls. Oh, they are. There's a reason an why, why Filgael are that. attacking them as they have been the last yeah, week or and two.
3: and it was interesting to note that Enda Kenny didn't mention Sinn Féin at all yesterday in his speech.
1: Yeah, were you you, uh, hurt and offended by that? that. Uh, Obviously quite deeply. Uh, Look, the people who vote for Sinn Féin have every much a stake in in our society and the future of the economy and public services as the people who vote for any other political party. We know two things from the polls over the last year. Uh, We know, for example, that there's at least 20%, if not more, voters who have yet to decide. Uh, And Pat is right, there has been a level of fragmentation reflected in the polls. But that large swathe of people uh, are going to be looking over the next number of weeks uh, at whose proposals uh, and what government is going to be the most likely one to benefit them and their families and their communities. And that's going to be the big contest for, agree, all, I, for all I, of the parties. I agree with all,
2: except I would put it a bit bigger than 20%. I think it's anywhere, you know, between 23 and 27 Absolutely. or 28%. I mean, if you go out on the doors, Shane, uh, the people who vote for Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, the Labour Party, Sinn Féin, they're doing it. But it is this 23 to 27 or 8 percent that are in play, and a lot of them don't like the government. But that doesn't mean but to what, say it, that they do not vote like for
0: the Is government? it that they don't like Andy well, Kenny? Is it that they don't like the austerity? It's, it's, much more well, substantive,
1: I, I, it's much more substantive than that. If you take a look, for example, at this, the Sunday Business Post Red Sea poll last week, it was saying that about 60% of people polled believe that in order to have a fair recovery, we need to have a change of government. So there is a sense out there that people are deeply unhappy, not just with personalities, but the way in which our society is becoming increasingly polarised and increasingly unfair. It's not that Sinn Féin has done well from austerity. It's Sinn Féin is speaking to those people who aren't benefiting uh, from the policies of this government over the last uh, five years, whether it's people left on trolleys, people in emergency accommodation, or people in work uh, who are living at risk of poverty. And in a sense, the real debate isn't going to be who's going to keep the recovery going, who's going to make the recovery fair so that greater numbers of people benefit from those who will benefit from the tax giveaways uh, of Enda Kenny whether it's in terms of inheritance um, tax or USC for the high earners. I mean
2: I think that because it's a fact that many of that uh, floating vote don't particularly like the government doesn't mean to say that when polling day comes that they won't vote for the government or for one or other of the government parties uh, because you know, they don't want to put at risk what has happened. And I, I don't think it's too hard to answer your question about why is, it, is the government unpopular in that sense of not being loved. I mean, any uh, government that inherited what it inherited in the winter of 2010, 2011, and have had to do the things that have been done since to get us uh, back from the brink, was most unlikely to be popular and to have any hoopla uh, you know in in terms of of public support.
3: But even in that time even even in this term of government there still is a perception that there's a huge amount of inequality out there. Yes people will tell you that they can see the green shoots even down the country they're saying that now you know but the reality is they still see that there is a lot of inequality out there and even you only had to look at RTE's um, My Homeless Family last week you know to look at kind of uh, the reality of the lives for a lot of people People out there. So the problem for Finnegail for the government when people do go to vote is that a lot of that might be just out of fear. You know, out of they are capitalising in one way of the fear of people that the least that these are that they are the least worst option, and that just might not necessarily transfer mm. when they get in. I think to you're vote. right.
2: I, I think there is. Uh, I think there is uh, serious inequality out there. Uh, I think that's absolutely right. And. You know, it's a bigger and deeper discussion. I mean, if you look at modern day financial capitalism across the world, uh, the gap is widening. More in other countries than here. I mean, have a look at what's going on in the United States and what passes for politics at national level there. And it is a fundamental issue in terms of uh, the management of the market economy. I mean, how do you assert uh, an element of democratic control over the operation of the market economy, I mean, the truth you, of the matter Pat, you is, you do it. You o- do it by Obama having you do it the, by uh, having
1: fair budgets, not the five regressive budgets that actually hit the lowest paid in our society. Well, since I think the problem, in power, th- the problem, uh, there own, uh, the problem their own, the
2: problem their own is, as you try and claw your way back from the brink, uh, if you made budgetary decisions that drives the impetus for job creation and investment out of this economy, you know, we already had seen uh, before 2011, and immediately after it, we were driving our young people out because they couldn't get jobs here. And if we drive out the investment as well, uh, uh, well then, uh, simply, other economies will attract that you, mobile investment Pat, and our Pat, situation you, Pat, will, you will, you will know, worsen.
1: you know as well as I do that you can have... Uh, domestic, financial and fiscal policies that create a more equal society and attract foreign direct investment. Denmark does it, Finland does it, Norway does it, Sweden does it. But here's the crucial point. Uh, the fact that this government inherited the mess that Fianna Fáil created, and you're absolutely right on that, actually means that you got a fair wind in your first two years of office. And the reason why there's no love, particularly for your party in this government, is because you broke every single red line issue that you made to the government uh, in 2011, whether it was on student fees, on child benefit, on VAT, on water charges, on property tax, and the list goes on. So the reason why people are punishing your party is because you broke your word and then you went into government, uh, Fine Gael, Every Little Hurts, the six key red line issues, and you broke all of them. So... What can we do now? Can we have? Well, can we no, have? Let me let, f- make f- p- no, no, firstly, let me make on, the point. No, but first hold can on. We hold have, on. Hold on. No, just let him just let him finish, and then have, I'll let you come back. Now. Can we have a government? that uh, uh, invest in our economy so that we have greater job growth, both in the domestic economy and the foreign direct investment sector, improve public services and create greater levels of equality. Yes, we can, but not if Fine Gael are leading the government and the Labour Party are doing what they always do, acting as the mudguard and supporting okay, policies which deepen inequality again. in our society, Pat. I mean,
2: that's the, the mantra uh, from Sinn Féin, but... The fact, the simple fact of the matter remains that if the government had accepted the Sinn Féin advice which, as expressed by Mr. Adams, was to the Troika to take a hike and take their money with them, burn the bondholders, do all the things that they argued for for five years, then this country would be still where Greece is today. The fact of the matter is we have produced the recovery and of course, it's handy rhetoric to talk about Labour breaking all its promises. Uh, Labour didn't break all its promises. Labour was unable to deliver on some of its promises. Is that not a bit I'm,
0: Jesuitical then?
2: No, uh, why would it? I mean, the big promise was to rectify We didn't the break
0: pro- our promises, we just couldn't deliver them.
2: no, 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 no I said some of them. I mean, uh, the fundamental one was to restore this co- economy to correct the public finances, to get the economy back into a growth. But Owen is right to point we, that, we out that, that as, the every little bit hurts. We I mean, did that, that but we didn't, have, uh, we didn't have a Labour government. We had a negotiated programme for mm-hmm. government where Labour uh, was in a two-to-one ratio of influence in that government. And, you know, uh, I, I welcome the fact that, and I think Owen is personally partly responsible for this, Uh, that Sinn Féin have gradually come in from the wilder reaches of economic fantasy. Uh, But they still have a long way to go. And, uh, you know, they amazingly, uh, it seems to me, have decided to watch uh, the price that the Labour Party uh, has had to take in terms of its participation in government to protect... Uh, working class people to protect workers. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Owen talks about the fiscal regime. We took 700,000 people out of the liability for the USC. Uh, we raised the minimum wage in impossible circumstances. We protected core social welfare okay. rates. Okay. Uh, you, you, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy to throw snowballs from the sideline. Uh, but, you know, I hope... I live long enough to see Mary Lou and Jerry Adams having responsibility for something and having to deliver. And that'll be the day.
1: You're
0: throwing snowballs
2: from
1: the sidelines. Well, of course, Pat Pat, Pat has a long history of throwing snowballs from a variety of sidelines. Those 700,000 people that Pat are talking about are worse off today than they were when this government took office because they have hit them with extra taxes, whether it's the abolition of the PSRI PSRI ceiling or a range of additional regressive taxes Uh, and their economic situation today. And we know this, Pat. From at risk of work pov- or in work poverty figures, those people are immeasurably worse off today because you have failed to protect them. Now, let the electorate decide because we'll see how those working people you're claiming to have protected vote eh, in four or five weeks' time. My, my central point remains there were always better choices. To create a more stable and equal society with better quality public services than the ones you chose like telling and the troika to take a hike as Absolutely for example at the very start of this crisis there were alternative choices then The difficulty is the within, within, within absolutely not within 12 I mean, you months dropped within, uh, why? We, we also didn't within why? within 12 months You were past. over
2: campaigning for them and, so why and, have you dropped and, them when and, it went and
1: wrong? And I have been over recently seeing the negative impacts of the bullying of your government of the people of Greece and their democratically elected <laughs> government. But let me let me make the point. My government has a
2: little responsibility for at, the shambles I'm, I'm that sorry, Greece the, is in. The,
1: the European Council, the European Council, of, which, and your, tweeted of on which your government is a member, that country. one voice. Your government at the European Council, when every economist, even the IMF, was saying that the Greek government needed debt relief, your government lined up behind the Germans and the Spanish and others and pummeled that country into an even worse economic crisis okay. than it currently is. And even this weekend, the IMF are again calling for debt relief for Greece. What are you saying? No way, because you were scared it would affect no, your I mean, domestic chances. Even with chances. the benefit of
2: hindsight, you don't seem to be able to explain what we might have done differently. I mean, the big one, obviously, is the question of whether or not we were going to uh, default and walk away from the uh, from the intervention by the IMF and the ECB that's the big one and now I hope you're not departing from your position, which is that we should have walked away. And if we did, I am saying to you that we would be in a situation like Greece and that you said at the time that Syriza uh, today, Sinn tomorrow, uh, the ministers were over here from Syriza, you were over campaigning with Syriza. Since it went wrong and Syriza had to bow the knee, uh, you've now dropped Sarita, okay. and you've forgotten that's, about it. That's, okay,
1: that's. Can I just say this? That just first very brief, because that's I, I do need to go to a break. Only at Davos at the weekend. Joseph Stiglitz, the economist, was arguing exactly what we and Sarisa have been arguing, which is debt relief and investment-led okay. recovery, not the austerity that you have imposed on people uh, right. in this country okay. and in Greece. Joseph Stiglitz's right. no, prescription
2: not. may well be appropriate to the United States or to a continent of that size. But, but not Joseph to a government Stiglitz that wants to impose
1: austerity uh, on those people, least, little least, little least
2: able to a, burden the cost of your failed policies,
0: Economy. Alright, listen, uh, we're going to have more from uh, Pat Rabbit, O'Neill and Sheila Riley who's been sitting patiently in the, in the sidelines, <laughs> hear from (laughs) Sheila in in a moment back in a moment on the Sunday show
2: the message from the people has been very clear it's been very strong very consistent and I'm hoping coming up to election I will be able to finish it and just push it over the line I do believe the next government will abolish water charges
0: Okay, some voices uh, from those uh, (coughs) anti-water charge protests that took place around uh, the country Uh, Sheila Riley editor of the Longford Leader numbers definitely seem to be lower than that uh, I don't oh have yeah. any doubt about that I, and the claim does 20,000 in Dublin I mean no certainly didn't
3: look to be that no. anyway uh, judging from the news pictures last night but at the same time it's still a significant number of people um, the organisers or at the very least they were saying there was 5 so if you say there's somewhere between 5 and 10,000 out there it's still a significant amount of people yeah. to get out Jeez, in the streets 5,000
0: in a rally now I mean you'd get yeah, that yeah, for
3: pretty much any 3, rally 3,000 in at the Fine which way do you want to balance it all out yeah. <laughs> no I mean look it's, it's still you I mean, can't you get 5,000 in
0: the League of Ireland game sometimes you know
3: yeah okay right, I'll give you that right. but <laughs> at the same time you can't dismiss that people still got out yesterday and Bought their placards with them but the reality is the sting has gone out of this uh, it, for for the large majority of voters. Um, I know from talking to the local politicians they're not getting canvassed on it anywhere near as much as they were um, they tell me they've been asked, a few of them have been asked for the, the water conservation grant forms that people had burnt originally they were asked for those, <laughs> can you get me a copy of that um, that sort of stuff but the, it certainly has, the sting has gone out of it having said that I still wouldn't say it's not an issue for for a lot of people, it still is an issue for people out there.
1: Owner Brent? Well, it depends on what you you compare it with. So, for example, this time last year there were local demonstrations across the state as there were yesterday and they were of a comparable size. Um, uh, There were thousands in Dublin yesterday. I wouldn't put a figure on it, but... uh, Would you you argue there was 20,000? I wouldn't. There was less than that. But was there a comparable figure to the local demonstrations, the local demonstrations in Dublin last year? Yes, there was. There's obviously going to be a big statewide demonstration the Saturday before polling day, whenever that is. And that'll give you a sense uh, to compare with the big demonstrations. What I'll say is this, is that uh, I think the vast majority of the electorate have made up their mind on the water charges issue and they know where all the political parties stand and a lot of the focus has actually now shifted to the election itself in terms of Campaigners and people who are opposed to this charge have it in their heads that if Fine Gael are heading the next government, uh, then the prospect of abolishing these charges is, is less. And for those people who this is a, a kind of litmus test issue in the election, that's what they're looking at. Mm. Uh, is it being raised with me um, by every single person I'm canvassing? No, it's not. But it is being raised with me on every single canvas. Uh, there are people who are still deeply unhappy with the charge in and of itself. They're very unhappy with the attachment orders that will be placed on income if the government decides to go down that route uh, come uh, later this year. Oh. Okay.
0: I, I'm curious though, because uh, you were talking uh, and you were arguing with Pat about you're saying domestic financial policies, you can have those that create a more equal society and also attract investment. You were saying Denmark does it, Finland does it, yeah. Norway does it, Sweden does it. I mean, water charges in Norway, 714 euros, yeah. Sweden, 491 euros, uh, Finland, 644 euros, Denmark, over 1,000. We're what, 160 euros? I mean you're are you having your cake and eating it a
1: little bit? No, I don't think so and and I suppose these are choices that uh, each country has to make. Uh, our view is it was a bad tax. That was also the view by the way of of uh, the Labour Party and Fine Gael prior to the last election. It's also a bad tax Do to you introduce. Think you have
3: done it yourselves now Owen, no at some point we have, didn't you in, no, in relation to water we have, charges? We have always I think you did early on.
1: Absolutely not. We have always been against it. We've blocked their introduction since 2007 in the North. We think it's a bad tax. We've always said it's a bad tax uh, and we're sticking to that position. You
2: also said, on in fairness, in the Doyle, no less, uh, your leader and deputy leader, that they would be paying their water charges. And then we had a by election in Dublin South West, and it was snatched out from under your nose uh, by the loony element uh, of the ultra left. And then. Sinn Féin decided that it uh, was I'm sure Paul Murphy water would, would
0: would reject being described as the loony uh, element of the Labour
1: but, but, but can I also uh, say this the, the, key, uh,
2: issue is it wasn't the key issue was the key the people is who
1: voted for him the I was
2: referring to it was his politics the which I key repeat issue here is just a are loony and you know are are not designed to provide solutions to any of our problems but are designed merely to cause mayhem and division and so on Pat, and you private your political career on opposition to water charges b- privately Campaigned, would ag- you campaigned privately solidly would agree to with abolish me. water
1: charges when they were previously privately introduced with me and you campaigned against them in the 2011 general election. This new eruption election, in Pat. Irish
2: politics uh, of the Paul Murphy type politics doesn't provide any solutions to the problems confront in this country. Do you, you
0: agree countries. with that? I, I, Shane, he does agree Pat, with
1: it. Pat Rabbit. Campaigned vigorously against water charges when they were last introduced and then abolished uh, by local authorities uh, some years ago. Pat Rabbit's party and Eamon Gilmore in the run-up to the 2011 general election said they would not introduce these charges. In fact, it was in the Fine Gael Every Little Hurt. The, so Pat, the, all we're asking entirely, to do is the, stick to the promises the you made and the, the tax. The
2: entirely different set of circumstances, Owen, apart entirely from the implications. Of the crash that we have had is that we created a state-owned single water utility and a company that will develop, like the ESP, in the future of this country. The voters to address a dysfunctional election, that that's hold what I'm no, going to do.
1: On, no, Pat, okay. you said you wouldn't introduce allow the me, charges, allow, allow and you introduce the charges, Pat. Oh, own, that allow, is electoral me, dishonesty. Oh, that's what we call oh, it. Oh,
2: it. Allow me to deal with it. The, the, the fact of the matter is, we have a dysfunctional water system that requires substantial investment.
1: Absolutely agreed. We
2: live in a capital city that has 1% headroom. We live in a capital city where there could be a threat to public health because of the age of some of the leaden pipes. Agreed. We live in a country where thousands of... uh, uh, householders have had to go down to the
1: supermarket the to buy of water their water now is no we, better than when you took off as 5 no, 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 years ago. Packs. No 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 that, Your was, financial just that, was, ju- that was just a charge has been rejected by the European commission and it is a disaster. By the local
2: authority. What is happening now is Let's have one box what is the distinction between a charge being levied to bring revenue into the local authority and the creation of a state-owned uh, water single water authority that will, over a period of time, create immense employment and deliver uh, water uh, top-class water facility not just to residential uh, homes but to the corporates who need water and the only way that you can do for that is after you uh, earlier paying tribute to the Scandinavian countries, the Scandinavian countries pay for it. Why should we be the only country in the OECD?
3: But part of the problem yeah, for people right. was the, the creation of, the creation of the body of Irish water and the vast amount of money that went into that the millions upon millions that were plunged into the actual creation of this monolith that is what the problem is I think for she, a uh, lot of people they don't, uh, like, people like me out there who have paid water charges all our lives and don't really have a problem with paying water charges, but would have a major problem when they see Irish Water when they hear about the bonus has been paid to people in there and they hear about the type of no money no, that went in consultancy fees see, and went Sheila. in the creation of all of that. And you can understand Pat why people feel aggrieved about that that issue in particular. And that is the one issue I hear a lot of in relation to it. How did they spend so much money building Irish Water? when essentially we were just taking it from the local authorities, why did all that money need to be spent in In,
2: it? Okay, let me answer that. In in a calmer atmosphere, Sheila, after the general election and in future years, it will be possible to deal with some of the myths that have grown up around the creation of such a huge utility. For example, there is no bonus payment. There never was a bonus payment. Nobody in Irish water has ever got a bonus I personally. Well, well, this is not no, part no, no, the, no, no, uh, no. When they let, were being just me. Let, let me explain now, because you, you've raised the issue, and I've heard it on so many programmes, and people then like you believe that it's true. Uh, I was involved in the actual decision of the Perdon company when I was minister, uh, Borgash, that brought in a performance related bonus system. Entirely misconstrued. What it meant was that if for example there was a rate of 70,000 to recruit an engineer uh, whatever the metrics agreed say it was 10% the engineer was recruited at 63,000 and if he or she performed they got the remainder of the rate for the job and all over the four years that deal was done in 2012 and over the four years to 2016 it saved 34 million in board cash, including closing down the defined benefit pension scheme and creating a, a defined contribution scheme, putting an end to all but plus payments that and so on. But that's
3: semantics to a lot of people out there? There but are people listening to you say this this morning and they just think that is pure semantics. But, Sheila, what
2: is not semantics is there was no bonus paid to anybody in Irish Water. That's You're a fact. After co- and and so secondly, in terms system. of the consultancy, the consultancy goes back to a famous utterance by the chief executive uh, John Tierney, who said that there was 50 million uh, paid to consultants. There was 50 million paid to contractors who were brought in to create what is a, a very large Irish company
0: that was, will in future address the question of investment in Irish but,
3: water. We had Borgosh, we had a similar model with Borgosh. And how did that money need to be Just spent? Just briefly, because um, I
0: think we, we won't go back to the whole creation of because Irish water. Again. Te- I mean,
2: go across and look at Anglia Water. Or go across and look at Scottish water. I mean, one of the basic mistakes that the government made was the time frame. I mean, uh, I recall talking to an engineer from Anglia who said, of course, you know, Minister, that this is a five to seven year undertaking. The Troika were hassling Michael Noonan and Brendan Howland, and they agreed to try and do it in a time frame of two years. Uh, Alan Kelly says it was all Phil Hogan's fault. Would you agree with that? Uh, no I wouldn't uh, the government is the government and the government has to take okay. its responsibility oh, oh, no, last word on, on this before the we the go to the center
1: point is this Labour said they wouldn't introduce this charge they introduced this charge they then said the construction uh, that is now irish water would deliver better quality water services and increase investment and it has failed miserably uh, we're not well, going to see more jobs we are it is it is failing it, it is failing every single day look at the day. situation for example just in rascommon where
2: 25000 householders have now for the first time in 7 years top quality
1: water every and how many people across look the country at the investment still projects have that they're, inv- uh, boiled water they're notices involved in around the country how many families still have boiled oh, water? The situation would be much worse if that. That
2: is it, so dishonest Don, it, as it, it, to I'm sorry. Uh, lays a question mark right, over your right, other contributions. Right,
1: right across okay. the the water issue, the model that you proposed to dramatically increase investment in tackling the chronic underinvestment of a water infrastructure has failed. Okay. Uh, and the worst all thing all right, is, guys, we, need to, it said to you said we you need to go to a break. We need to go to a break, and you did it. You
0: Back in a moment on the Sunday show.
2: You protested.
0: Welcome back to the Sunday show Shane with you until noon today now our panel are uh, still with us we have uh, Pat Rabbit uh, owner Bryn and uh, Sheila Riley uh, Sheila of course editor of the Longford Leader um, Sheila Pat Leahy has a piece today about the I suppose the controversy in relation mm. to David Begg's appointment uh, by the estate. just give us a flavour of what Pat is saying
3: yeah he makes Pat makes a number of very very good points in this piece, but he talks about kind of the mini storm if you like around the appointment um of uh, of david Begg and he and he points out that you know Burton circumvented uh, the appointment uh, procedures when she appointed him to the pensions authority um now he also makes the point that privately a lot of people believe that David Begg is the right person for the job and he says uh, this Shane badly. Ross doesn't agree oh I know that yeah but Shane Ross put his own uh, people forward for state appointments as well, which she's perfectly entitled to do. I'm oh, sure. No, no, you know. no. Hold
2: on now, she, let's be fair to Shane. I mean, if Shane does it, Shane Ross, a, that you're talking about. Yeah, not Shane Ross. Yeah. <laughs> if Shane does it, it's a suggestion. If the government does it, it's cronyism. Now, <laughs> well, let's be fair we, to share. I think
3: I think we have uh, the line here from Pat Patley is when we do it, it's called getting the right person for the job. When you do it, it's called cronyism. Which I thought was a good line in it mm. as well. Look, um, he basically said he's talking about uh, you know the reason behind it. He says generally it's accepted that Beg would have been a good part is a good person for the job, and uh, but the reality is you've got the optics here and that it doesn't look it doesn't look the best, and that Labour has, as Leahy points out, congratulated themselves endlessly on political reform and then that Burton turned around and made this appointment um, and that in that regard that's why they're in a bit of bother he also makes a good point that you know the public reaction to it is fairly mooted and that is true it's certainly not something I've heard people talking about beyond sort of mm-hmm. yep. uh, Pat, Robert, journalism were, sir, journalism and politics if you like I but um, he says a part of that is because of the way we are if you like and the way in lots of ways that people are suspicious of the state in some way and that they don't necessarily um, believe that the right, pro- right procedures will be followed through when you've got the public appointments this as well.
0: Was,
2: Pat, this was a serious own goal though by John Burton, wasn't it? No, I don't agree at all in fact I'm out of line with my party uh, on this. I don't agree with any of that hogwash uh, the appointment of a chairman uh, of a state company or the chairman to do a job like that is a policy issue where the contact is between the chairman and the minister and the minister must have somebody that they can work in and that reflects okay, his... Okay, but why did, why did you set up that procedure That reflects his or her uh, policy. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's no, no, a fair no, argument. No, no the but procedures... The, 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 uh, Pat Leahy's piece makes plain. She didn't break any procedure. No,
3: circumstances. And I have no objection
2: says. to the public appointment system recruiting uh, appointments to boards. But the chair, and I appointed very many of them because most companies were in my brief... Um, the chair is absolutely critical I mean I I look at if you look at Shinros and the independent alliance it's a stunt they have more stunts men than Fawcett Circus but and I think you're just, just you're
3: getting away from the substantive <laughs> issue here and the substantive issue is that that reform was set up in relation to the, uh, to the appointments of state boards and that's the reality and it was set up and Labour trump- trumpeted this. No, no, and no. then she, then Joan Burton turns around and appoints David Begg to a job that a lot of people accept he would be a good person for that job but why if he was a but good Shilla, person for the job did he not go through the Shilla, process? But surely you're ignoring
2: uh, look at the piece you're quoting from, you're ignoring the fact that the rules permit her to make an exception in the case of the chair.
3: Yeah, and do you know the word exception that? is is key here. And
2: she invoked that.
3: But why did he not just go through the process? If he's the right person for the job, why did he I, not I, go through the know, process? I, I
2: didn't appoint yeah. him. I'm just saying to you that she did not Do you, you not see that, not that not there is a there okay, is a let, section I I'm just the saying optics. to you that the piece that you're reading from makes plain that A I'm not David that. Begg is a suitable candidate and B she broke no rules.
1: When you go onto the public expenditure and reform uh, website in the section on public appointments, uh, it makes very clear uh, that uh, the ordinary course of events is for public appointments to go through the public appointments process. It does outline their exceptions, for example, when you're reappointing a chair who's already proven, and this is the example on the government's own website, where the chair has already proven an ability to do the job. Now, of course, John Burton didn't break the law. But the Labour Party made a key manifesto pledge to ensure that there was a proper public appointments process and there would be dull scrutiny. In some senses, Joan Burton has done herself great damage and she's also done some damage uh, to David Begg, who, of course, is a kind of a victim in all of this, because if he had gone through the proper public appointments process, from what everybody who seems to know about pensions that I'm talking to, there's a very, very strong likelihood that he would have got the position. So what I'm kind of asking myself is this. This was a pledge the government made, or the Labour Party made in the election. They introduced the legislation. It was decent enough legislation. Pat often gives out about Sinn Féin for not complimenting the government when they do things well. So why didn't they just keep to the procedure they put there? There was no reason not to go through the public appointments process. There was no urgency. There was no reappointment. So the problem is this. To anybody that looks at this, what they see... Is somebody who is historically a supporter of the Labour Party uh, getting appointed uh, to a, a significant position with some uh, financial reward without oh, going through t- twenty thousand years? 100 grand, it's a hundred grand over the five years, right? For yeah. a very for a very minimal level uh, uh, of oh, commitment there's nothing in terms minimal of in
3: terms of,
1: in terms of I don't time. Think the money is the issue. No, no, and I'm just making the there's point about. I'm just making the point about the perception, and what people will say is that surely that's the kind of cronyism that the Labour Party said they would abolish uh, and that the public appointments process put in place by this government outlined on their website says it meant to exist. So I think it's a massive own goal for the government. And it is damaging to David Begg, who through no fault of his own, has actually uh, uh, had question marks raised over him when he shouldn't have in the first place. They should have the just used the process. The but Labour Party
2: in this government has brought in a raft of reforming legislation like we have never seen before from the Freedom of Information Act to the lobbyist legislation to the whistleblower legislation to the public appointment system uh, to the public standards bill and so on. And we have just agreed that there is a facility in the legislation which OWN describes as reasonably good legislation and by God, that's a very high standard that OWN brings to bear on legislation from the Labour Party uh, that that very high standard legislation permits Joan Burton to make the decision she made. She made it. To be honest, as I say, I'm an outlier, uh, Shane. I don't believe in this populist nonsense. This is all the fraud of politics.
1: Populist nonsense. Using you you your own public appointment you process. Would be this first is the person
3: accusing uh, somebody of stuffing boards before an election. You'd be the first person to do that if this was any other party.
2: Actually, no, th- that, that Longford leader, <laughs> <stuff laughs> <is, laughs> leader stuff is out of date. Not at all. Uh, the, real, the, the real question the here of, is, the why didn't is Joan
1: just use the, the process that she herself voted for? And, and then, the, and and then, then <laughs> picked David back and came to the
2: Shane, do you think it's a good idea uh, that in circumstances where a minister is accountable and you can get rid of him or not get rid of him, that we pass over critical chair appointments of commercial state companies and other important agencies uh, to a non-elected, unaccountable committee. I don't think it's a good idea. That's the process. But then why set it up in the first place, Uh, I suppose, would be the question. I think that there is an argument in respect of appointments to ordinary positions. But the point I'm trying to make to you is that if I'm dealing with the chairman of the ESB or if I'm dealing with the chairman of Aer Lingus or if I'm dealing with the chairman of Unpost, it is very important that as the minister, I have somebody there as chairman with whom I can work and who understands my political approach for that company,
3: but is it not equally important that you get a raft of CVs in and you get to look at people who you mightn't have met on okay. the streets of Dublin right. too, and you mightn't necessarily know? Okay, we we'll like, I, I pointed lots of the same people, job. Sheila.
0: Okay, we'll Pat, have to leave them. it there. Uh, Pat Rabbis, uh, Owner Bryn and Sheila Wright. Thanks indeed for Thank you. your company. Today.